0: Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play.
1: Robots Radio presents...
0: Listening to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone—from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D—to learn more about the world's creatures and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Hello, welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio, and I am Mary. And we this week are going to talk about some some world changing lore. We've been we've been shaking up the uh, we've been shaking up the the campaign settings lately with the Spell Plague. We have, yeah. And now we're going to talk about the Second Sundering. So, the Spell Plague, which Mary discussed a, a mm-hmm. few episodes ago uh, is, is the second century and the spell plague are, are very much linked like both yes. in lore as well as like in real life context so you know much how the spell plague and its story and its lore was used in game as the explanation behind the real world differences you know mechanical and otherwise mm-hmm. between uh D third edition and 3.5 and the upcoming fourth edition, the second Sundering marks the transition between fourth and fifth edition.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: And to be honest, like the second Sundering kind of undoes a lot of what occurred <laughs> because of and during the Spell Plague. And you know, it can you know, you can explain it away like, well, yeah, of course, like something like a Spell Plague, emphasis on the plague. It should be like probably isn't great and should be undone. Uh that's fair. Yeah, and this is like, you know, nature healing itself or D and D healing itself as as right, it were. Right, right. Uh but that's it's let's be honest, fourth edition, you know, wasn't really that much of a success. Got it. Uh, you know, whether or not, you know, it's a good game or more specifically a good D and D game.
1: Mm-hmm. That's purely subjective right absolutely absolutely
0: you know but from the like objective empirical view of you know money made and books sold and folks playing uh, it seemed obvious to the to the people at wizards of the coast that some course correction needed to take place yeah and <laughs> and that came in the form of the second sundering and so now that we have the table talk version of why it happened, let's dig in to the lore version. That's the part I'm here for. I like. I'm I'm a nerd for all of it. I'm a nerd for like the lore aspect and like why well, why why is this lore taking place? Like why did this happen? Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm also a huge history nerd as well. So
1: I, oddly enough, do not care for world history, <laughs> but I like fantasy world history a like lot when, better
0: when we covered Ravenloft uh I was so like you know I love talking about like the the publication history like the like mm-hmm. how like the the Hickmans created it and how it started off as a as like a one-shot module and then mm-hmm. had its sequel and then like it became like so popular that you know they were like let's make it into an entire campaign setting and it's like for me that was a lot of fun too in addition to <laughs> yeah. like Oh, like Strahd, you know, was a like sort of like a war king kind of like conqueror who, mm-hmm. felt, you know, uh, if you want to know this, this is about the second, see, there's, <laughs> there's the ADHD coming
1: in. <laughs> you brought you it wa- with you <laughs> in full force
0: today. <laughs> if you want to learn more about Ravenloft, check out our four part series on the campaign setting and the lore behind it.
1: Yes. <laughs> but if you want
0: to learn more about the second Sundering, Stay tuned because it's coming up like right now. Uh, we might get there, <laughs> so we might we might if I can if I could just rein in this 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 uh, bag of ferrets, fa- ferrets <laughs> that we that I call a brain. So this this is a this is a poem that appears in um, there is a six book series known as the Sundering, which tells uh, not really the it the way is described is the sun it's it's the story of six different individuals you know um dritz is one of them Elmister is another and 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 several more and it tells you know their stories while the second sundering is sort of happening and so like you can read them uh, you don't have to read one uh, uh you don't have to read all of them to get the full story but they do happen chronologically like as far as you know what's what happens in the first book is like the beginning of the second sundering and then what right. happens in the sixth is the, is the final is the end of it right right but uh this poem appears in each of those six books and it is a uh it's a prophecy that was written by Eliandrith of Oshar, uh circa negative 17600 dr so this oh. was it's just sed- been waiting. They been had waiting.
1: this one just settin' up on a shelf waiting for it, got it.
0: When the trials begin in soul torn solitude despairing, the hunter waits alone, the companions emerge from fast bound ties of fate, uniting against a common foe. When the shadows descend, in hell sworn covenant unswerving, the blighted brothers hunt, and the godborn appears, in rose blessed abbey reared, rising to loose the godly spark. When the harvest time comes, and hate-fueled mission-grim unbending, the shadowed reapers search, the adversary vies, with fiend-wrought enemies, opposing the twisting schemes of hell. When the tempest is born, as storm-tossed waters rise uncaring, the promised hope still shines, and the reavers behold the dawn-born chosen's gaze, transforming the darkness into light. When the battle is lost, through quake-tossed battlefields unwitting, the seasoned legions march, but the sentinel flees with once proud royalty protecting devotion's fragile heart. When the ending draws near, with ice rocked stars unmoving, the threefold threats await, and the herald proclaims in war wrecked misery, announcing the dying of an age. So, in a nutshell, the second sundering, also known as the sundering of Toral and Abir, was a great catastrophic event in the history of those worlds that occurred during the 1480s dr so i mean that's if someone you know if it, if this were D D jeopardy
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: the or the answer uh would be you know this great this great catastrophic event occurring in the is uh you know whatever is what or whatever i, I can't i can't i've watched jeopardy in a while I forgot how it goes how does jeopardy go
1: I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched in a very long
0: time. So uh, some say that it actually all started way back in negative 17,600 DR when that prophecy took place. Uh, You know, when that very light and airy poem read at the top of the episode uh, uh, was, uh, was written, uh, you know, for what was to take place almost 20,000 years later. And the belief is that this sundering is somehow connected to the first sundering that took place back then when an elven high magic ritual, which went somehow both forward and backward in time oh. uh, in order to create the elven island of Evermeet, when that ritual went awry. Okay. And also considered to be connected is yet another prehistoric cataclysm, this one known as the Tearfall. That took place in negative 31,000 DR. And we will dig into the lore behind both of those episodes or behind both of those events in the patron plus installment of this episode, uh, which can be accessed by signing up at patreon.com slash Lorecast.
1: Perfect.
0: So the more concrete, however, uh, beginning can be traced to when AO, the overgod. Destroyed the tablets of fate at the conclusion of the time of troubles. so when a o did this, he mm-hmm. instigated the era of upheaval since the tablets defined the laws of realm space and kept kept it relatively stable so doing destroying these tablets sort of uh you know wasn't just like a symbolic gesture it was you know very much uh something that had tangible effects right, right. So without them, chaos ensued, meaning what exactly? Well, on the tablets were written the names of the gods and their respective portfolios, Mm -hmm. you know, that which were, uh, you know, those are essentially what gods, what they are gods over, you know, Mistra is the god of magic. It's on her portfolio, Yes, all murder, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But without those tablets, the portfolios could shift around. Uh, mm-hmm. More easily, and this combined with mortals such as Siric that little raff scallion.
1: Oh who, boy, He's who will uh... be?
0: <laughs> who Mary will be discussing? oh, uh, uh, you. Um, I think you have a love-hate relationship with Siric at this point. I
1: yeah, it's a it's an interesting. <sighs>
0: but that that's for next. That's for the next. <laughs> so next, next week, you can yeah. hear
1: me be super exasperated at this guy. <laughs>
0: So, like guys like Sirik ascend to godhood. Yes. Uh, or gods like Bane are being killed. Like that, like that sort of is the aforementioned chaos that ensues. Mm-hmm. Additionally, the connected but separate worlds of Abir and Toral, you know, mm-hmm. worlds that have been separated for many thousands of years, slowly begin to overlap. And then, unfortunately, the spell plague drastically speeds up this process. And so the second sundering starts, you know, when Ao makes the decision to recreate the tablets of fate and thus separate the worlds of a and Toro once more. Okay. You know, the deities are unsure, you know, uh what to, you know, what this could mean for them and their power,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: essentially make all efforts using their most powerful servants to prepare for the event. You know, they essentially like they're not sure like does this mean we're going to lose power? If that's the case, like, you know, we want to have, we want to be as powerful as possible, you know, sort of, you know, sort of like uh, that last push before an election, you know, like we need to like start knocking on doors and and asking asking folks if they've heard the good news about Ball.
1: That's the nicest way that you could possibly explain it. And and definitely not how it went (laughs) for some of those guys, Ball especially.
0: You don't think he was just, knock having his folks knock on
1: doors? The god of murder? Probably not.
0: Oh, you're you're assuming.
1: <laughs> I'm assuming that there was a rash of murders all across all across the face of the planet during the um during the time of troubles. They all kind of you know, fingers pointed, I'm just might be speculation, but Definitely the god of murder. He was not just knocking <laughs> on doors. He was just slaying as he went.
0: As as one would expect. The and god that's with an
1: AY, not the nice version of slaying like Santa Claus does.
0: So, you know, if the gods themselves weren't exactly sure what was going on, you can be sure that mere mortals had no freaking clue whatsoever. Right. Uh and speaking of Ball, they did have some inkling, however, because ball the previously murdered god of murder like he he had been murdered he'd been killed which how ironic uh he Beautiful. was very publicly publicly reborn in the middle of Baldur's gate and admittedly mary left a path of bodies in his <laughs> way so,
1: killing people Shocking.
0: so ball be- is reborn and immediately starts living up <laughs> to, to yeah like no, like like no, like let's go ahead and like get get our sea legs under us. Let's, you know, let's figure out. I us I you know. know
1: that it's not the way that it went, but the mental image of an infant, just like all right, time to kill. Somebody, get me a sword. It's like baby
0: New Year running around. Baby with New Year, like year a running dagger. around.
1: Like yeah, baby New Year <laughs> slash pick. This is what my brain pictured. So you're welcome.
0: So this was a very public and very bloody indication that not all was copacetic in the divine realms in <laughs> 1482 DR, the year of the Nar- uh, Nar- uh, Narthex murders. Of course. Uh Two years later, in the year of awakened sleepers, stranger calamities began to strike Faerun. We would have uh, earthquakes in one location, uh, a plague of locusts in another, you know, droughts along the southern shores as the seas steadily receded. Mm-hmm. And amidst all this turmoil, conflicts begin to break out in many regions of the continent. So the orcs of many arrows go to war against the dwarf holds of the north and their allies. Uh, Sembia invades the Dalelands. So mm-hmm. Cormyr raises an army to come to the aid of the Dales Uh Netheril uses this opportunity and brings forces to cormier's border which then draws cormier into a uh, a two-front war so right so like, it splits there right and so in cormier's like oh we gotta go help you know these folks and Netheril's is mm-hmm. like aha uh which i you wouldn't again you you expect the god of murder to murder you expect uh the shade folk I of Netheril to be shady
1: that's <laughs> it's true it's very true
0: uh, the long thought dead thief and assassin Erevis Kale, AKA, uh, Vassin Core River was discovered to be alive, but essentially in uh, like a sort of cryos, cryosleep, like, like a magical. Oh, stasis. Yeah. Like this. Like a magical like, stasis type thing. yeah, Like, like Fry in Futurama in the first episode. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, his son also named, uh, Vassin, uh, Basin, uh, you know, Junior, I guess. Uh, and two of his son's <laughs> companions were transported to Kale's location by Drassic Riven, a former Zentarim assassin and longtime rival of Erebus Kale, mm. where they freed Erebus from his 100-year-long magical imprisonment. And then at this point, Mask then returns to the realms through his chosen, who is Riven, the the assassin and, and rival Mm-hmm. And acts to put an end to Shar's cycle of night. So the, I'm sure
1: she loved that,
0: right? So the cycle of night was the recurrent destruction of stars and planets across the cosmos, as carried out by Shar. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, we we this you know we made the ruling that Shar was the original emo. And it's true. if there's, I I can't think of anything more emo than wanting to destroy the stars. <laughs>
1: That's yeah. because you 'cause
0: you can't get your way.
1: That's yeah, no, she absolutely loves throwing
0: tantrums. So this was because about a century prior, Shar had ordered the opening of a planar rift to the plane of shadow over the city of Ordalun Ordalin, mm-hmm. uh, which essentially destroyed it, uh, to create a whirlpool of shadow stuff that would have allowed her to finally destroy Torul. She's
1: been trying, I told y'all
0: what well, i try to tell y'all uh, her try plan to tell you. her plan failed due to being imprisoned there by mask but she had slowly managed to tear a hole in the whirlpool thus coming close to fulfilling her goal but the efforts of Vasenkael, the sun uh, who wields the power of a monitor the Netherese god of order law <clears throat> law time and the sun and of course the returned mask closed the tear of course the flying netherese enclave of Sakors, which is an ancient city built atop a floating inverted mountaintop so like essentially like a floating like upside down triangle essentially
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. uh that rested on top of the maelstrom crashed in order to destroy the whirlpool itself the oh, residents gosh. of Sakor's evacuated prior to the uh to the mythos complete collapse the mythos like Mythals are, uh, we'll talk about mythals here in a little bit. The complete collapse and the city crashed into the ruins of Ordalin, destroying the void as well as killing the Netherese princes Brennus Tanthal and Rivelin Tanthal, Shar's mm-hmm. Nightseer. Mm-hmm. And even though the shroud over Sembia returned, sunlight finally started to reach the surface through the cracks created by the destruction of Sakors. So, immediately, like, you know, some, like, heavy, like, world-changing stuff is happening. Right. Meanwhile, the drow begin to cloud the skies over the Silver Marches through a ritual known as the Darkening, preparing the battlefield for their sunlight-hating warriors, which I love how that's described. Hating. Like it's sure. not that it's not that they that the sun like you know causes them like you know damage or anything like they like right. hate it. They just so don't think, like it. Ah, shaking their fists at it.
1: We're not weak. We just don't like it.
0: A large army of orcs and, and drow, supported by frost giants and white dragons, then assault the Silver Marches in what is known as the War of the Silver Marches.
1: Appropriately I enough, love it when battles are named like that.
0: Uh, the town of Nesme was destroyed by the orcs and a white dragon it named uh, Arathader, while Sundabar was conquered by an orc army commanded by the warlord Hartusk and then renamed Hartusk Keep. Perfect. Again, appropriately enough,
1: makes it easier.
0: And then, meanwhile, throughout this entire period, tales begin to spread of individuals who had been touched by the gods and granted strange powers. So what had happened was that most of the gods created many, what and what were eventually known as chosen right. um, amongst mortals, as they were trying to gather as much power as possible to be as high in divine ranking as they could before Ao completed the new tablets of fate, which uh, presumably would seal their status and portfolio.
1: Right. You know, Trying because- to get as much power as possible before everything's set in stone.
0: Right. And because, as we know, in D&D, followers means power. Power for the gods. The more folks believe in you, uh, the more they worship you, the more powerful of a deity that you become. Mm-hmm. People started to claim they had been chosen by the gods and granted special powers. You know, And some were at the root of the conflicts that started to grip the land uh seemingly driven by, you know, some divine purpose. Like, you know, for example, in 1485 in Icewind Dale, the chosen of Arl went to war with Tin Towns. And actually they were ended up they ended up being defeated. But like I said, they, you know, some of these chosen, you know, were at the at the center of these these conflicts, these wars, these skirmishes
1: not in the version of that campaign we played (laughs) and then (laughs) they did not win i'm just throw it out there we didn't
0: and which would you know which be you know it's a fun sort of like you know uh what if sort of story like Mm -hmm. what if the chosen of arl had defeated ten towns like what does that mean for the you know northern faerun oops and then you know and then while so some of those like kind of like took their chosen status and and you know sort of went haywire with it others i had mm-hmm. no idea why like mystified as to why they were singled out and then meanwhile uh both Telemont than of thulten thar uh, uh who was uh uh nethery's nightshade Fatty, essentially, uh, <laughs> and and our good friend Zastam of Thay, <gasps> always ordered their forces to capture all newly appointed chosen, so that they could harvest their power. Because, of course, like I mean,
1: like, oh yeah, and it's I'm the not easiest way to get it is to take it.
0: I'm not even mad Rather at Zastam at this point anymore. Like at all of the evil gonna... stuff that he does. Like, he's like, to me, he's like Dennis the Menace. Like, he, like, you know, he's just, you know, he's going to get into some shenanigans. You know, he's going to try to pull a stunt. So, like, you know, you know what he's going to do. There's a few of
1: those guys. There's a few of those guys throughout. So, like, what? Why, guy again. Like, why bother
0: getting mad? You know, you know what's going to happen.
1: Zaz And you're shaking your fist. Why you turn into Skeletor when I did that? <laughs> Zaz <Zaz-tam>!
0: time. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, all across Faerun. You know the conflict rages on right uh, and in addition to all these sort of uh like that natural disaster like you know or unnatural disaster i guess it would like you know earthquakes and, and uh plagues and and droughts so in uh on a seeing that the netherese forces are spread thin the long subjugated badin people rebel uh, in Cormir and Sembia, the Netherese and the Cormirians uh, you know, trade ground back and forth. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Del Lands are, have become an absolute war zone. Yep. Um, having defeated or besieged the, thwar- the Dwarf Holds in the North, uh, orcs march on Silvery Moon and eventually besieging the Gem of the North, which is the awesome nickname for Silvery Moon. Uh, Gem of the
1: North!
0: However, Sorry.
1: by... I <laughs> myself that time.
0: By Flame Rule, which is mm-hmm. essentially Feyruin's Summer, the siege was broken and the War of the Silver Marches ends when Hartusk was defeated and the Darkening is dispelled. So the Orcs are just, uh, you know, defeated. The Drow are, uh, you know, defeated in their driven back, mm-hmm. yeah, in their their sunlight hating spell. Mm-hmm. And so, but then, as if all this wasn't enough you know in the autumn of 1485 the great rain began to fall around the sea of fallen stars and continues unceasingly which turns a what was a drought into oh, a floods. absolute flood yeah not, not even just like, yeah, yeah, like a flash flood one and then one that just continued mhm for for months and months and months
1: that just sounds awesome
0: but we will discuss you know the ramifications of that as well mm-hmm. as how the second Sundering ends after we get back from the middle of the show welcome to the middle of the show where we do all the midly things that need mm-hmm. to be done mm-hmm. uh what uh
1: what what do we do first mary Oh, gosh, we have to come in here and we can't say thank you to the patrons. You can't just not say thank you to the patrons. They are awesome. And uh, you guys make all of these awesome things that we've got going on possible. Make it where we can get new merch done, where we can work on getting the magic item of the week title pending book out. All of these things. Um, So thank you all of you and a special thank you to Frankie for signing up and joining us. We appreciate you and welcome aboard.
0: Welcome aboard, Frankie. Um no yeah, we uh we actually if you are on the Robots Radio Network Discord, mm-hmm. uh we sort of had a a sneak peek of one of the new uh designs that we're going to be re- releasing. in the next couple of months Mm -hmm. so if you uh if you're on there go check it out if you're not on there you can definitely join and check it out but it's uh yeah it's very exciting we've been sitting on this one for a couple for a little while now for about a a couple months a couple few months yeah we've been like chomping at the bit to like finally get it released and we're going to be doing so here in the next couple months along with some Mm -hmm. other cool designs yeah and then like like mary said the the magic item of the week uh title pending uh maybe that's the actual like, we should just call I it just call title call it pending A magic item of the week title pending
1: ah yes the title um, pending magic item i mean it's perfect for homebrew if we're gonna be honest here
0: right right i don't know uh, what
1: i'm gonna call it yet but this is what it is
0: <laughs> and we're going to be really be releasing that here in the next year or mm-hmm. here in in 2023 so very it's excited it. about that and it's because of the support from from the patron folks Uh, So thank you so much for that. Um, Additionally, if you want to support the show in other ways, you can go to um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us uh, five-star reviews. Uh, You can follow us on social media. We're pretty much, we're on everything now. Uh, We are are at DNDLorecast on Mm -hmm. on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, Mm -hmm. uh, pretty much anywhere. And uh yeah, like follow us, you know, shoot us uh comments, suggestions, uh oh, stuff yeah. like that. And interesting w-
1: D&D things you find. Also oh, yeah, happy absolutely. to talk about all of that too. You found some weird obscure thing? Let's discuss that too. Oh.
0: And I, I wanted I wanted to shout this out um uh one on, on our Discord on the Robots Radio Network Discord, the DD Lorecast channel, uh Samwise923 uh mentioned that um they were listening to the Bahamut episode and uh, says, I, I can't confirm that I will be using all the things in my campaign now. I've been trying to figure out how to link the homebrew dragon born lore I have written to the campaign. And this episode literally filled in every gap I didn't know existed. And that, you know, I was like, that's why I do this. Like I yes. I mean, I do this because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm obsessed with the lore. I'm obsessed with world building. And- it's true.
1: He's a huge nerd
0: the the biggest i don't i we don't have uh you can't see this uh through the podcast but right behind me is an entire bookshelf you know full of uh ttrpg books and D books um when and he
1: says full there's no shelf space there's not even room for dust
0: the i yeah w- my partner thanks thanks that because she's you know, <laughs> it's not not a lover of the dust but um but Dang. no like i and and also, you know, to, we, we, you know, we do this to, to help folks out with their games to like help them, you know, become better oh, players, absolutely. better DMs. And so mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, like that really like hit me like right where, you same. Know, so I was like, same, that's awesome. Same, so, same. Um, but yeah, that's, we, we do this so that, you know, we can, we can help folks out. Um, it's
1: also so much when you go to look at, the quantity of content it is so easy to be overwhelmed and breaking it down this way makes it less overwhelming
0: no yeah i mean even in addition like when, to that makes I it easier doing, to digest i think when i start doing research i'm like uh, i don't even know where to start and so it's like yeah. uh like everything like i get as much information as possible and then sort of like yeah. All I right. Let's go let's, back. Let's it put it in a way times. that makes
1: sense. Yeah. My first set of notes looks like I'm unhinged. I mean, more than I actually am. OK, unhinged. there you go. There it is.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so again, well, I mean, all this to say, like, thank you so much for the love and support. Yes. Um, you know, we do this. This is a, definitely a labor of love. And we want mm-hmm. to you know, continue facilitating and growing this awesome community that we've gotten so
1: far definitely do definitely do
0: and so as far as uh D &D news um well they're the you know they had the four or five finalists for the lego Mm -hmm, they were uh, down five uh and they they've and you could vote for a winner uh the winner won we've got the 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 dragon keep the the green, the, the
1: green dragon,
0: the big, the big green dragon one. The journey, dragons keep journey's end is what it's called. There it is. Uh, it's the one with like the the tower and the dragon wrapped around it. Mm-hmm. And this one, you know, I I showed all these to uh, a buddy of mine who like you know, is interested in D and D, but he's a Lego fanatic. Yeah. And he saw this one and was like, "That looks like dope." Anyway, like I would buy that just because, even if it wasn't D and D, right. So,
1: I was reading, though, that they plan on releasing at least three of those sets. Awesome. Is what I had seen. Now, it wasn't direct. I don't think it was directly on their site, but I had seen it somewhere. So I'm hoping that that's true.
0: Hopefully. Because I need them all. I, I I want them. I want them and I need them. I need um, the... So we'll have a link to that so you can check them out. Uh... Oh, yeah in the show notes uh of course we've also have to discuss really quickly um i don't want to devote too much time to it because we want to get back to the lore um but the um the new version of the open game license which is uh 1.1 has Mm -hmm. apparently leaked and it is uh not great it's not great um and so you know uh mary and i have been discussing this and you know we just want uh, to state for the record mm-hmm. that the Dungeons and Dragons lore cast is a supporter of third-party publishers. Yep. Uh, we love, uh, you know, that's the reason. That's a big reason why I fell in love with D and D to begin with, and then mm-hmm. you know TTRPGs in general. You know, D and D specifically at first, and then the entire sort of genre after yeah. the fact um was that you know these games were created and then were enhanced and transformed and you know just made so much more fun by the people that played them yes and so what you know this new gaming license and I'm uh you know I'm sort of not wanting to call it an open game <laughs> license uh that turn open doesn't seem to fit what this new what this new gaming license uh seems to do is you know is squash all that squash the third party or do what it can to squash the third party uh creativity and so
1: fencing in creatives and that's not you can't putting limits on creativity is not the way to go if you want to include everybody
0: Absolutely. So again, we just want to say for the record, you know, we are a supporter of, you know, both small and large third-party publishers, you know, be them, you know, the big, the big names that, that everyone knows or, you know, the folks that are just starting out, you know, trying to do something that, you know, make a living doing something they love.
1: Right. And get their foot in the door.
0: Uh, You know, we stand behind them Yep. and, you know, hopefully this doesn't become enacted because this you know the writings on the wall in my opinion that this mm-hmm. could definitely agree. curtail the game's popularity
1: oh yeah for sure you know,
0: there if there's if there's because this would allow less people to uh to create for it and the less mm-hmm. people that are creating for it i mean if we're just mm-hmm. getting uh official Just, content i mean they're they're only releasing but you know what five or six books a year
1: yeah something close to that yeah
0: and you know if, if that's all if that's all folks are getting then i don't understand like you know how they're how that how that how does-
1: That work as a business model, like how is that supposed to expand things and make things better, even from a financial standpoint of being a company and, you know, capitalism and got to make money to live. And I get it. I get it. I do. I support that. I support some big companies doing their thing, but there needs to be boundaries, of course. And I also support all of the small creators, all of the content creators, because that I'm one of them. Absolutely heavily included, but it doesn't it doesn't do anybody any good if your version of uniting is a complete dictatorship. Absolutely. With a stranglehold on it. That's not, that's not what, that's the kind of thing that drove everybody away from other things to find. For me, that's why I found D&D in the first place. That's part of it. That's part of the appeal is the, ability to create and do all of those things but i don't i wouldn't want any of my homebrew content where it would be accessible based on the proposed change because i would want to keep that for myself i don't want to have my stuff taken from me and then put somewhere and not given credit because i'm a real big fan of giving people credit where it's due
0: no absolutely absolutely um so yeah like we like i said wanted to Um, bring that up really quickly Mm -hmm. and uh and that segues perfectly into our dm's guild uh pick of the week which like this is exactly like stuff like this gets folks excited about the game Mm -hmm. stuff like you know doom forgotten realms fall of vecna volume three that's so We've talked about, uh, when they when Volume 2 came out, we discussed it. So mm-hmm. what, uh, what Doom Forgotten Realms is, it's sort of like an entire what-if campaign setting. Imagine a world where Tiamat was summoned successfully, where the princes of elemental evil tread unfettered, where Demogorgon prowls the Underdark with the Wand of Orcus, leaving an army of undead in his wake, where the storm giants have been cast to the bottom of the Ordning, where Baldur's Gate has been banished to the Nine Hells imagine a world where good has lost and evil prevailed. Oh, right. So it's it's as if like, you know, everything bad that could have happened in the forgotten realms <laughs> did. And now you're dealing with the consequences.
1: Good guys did not win.
0: Right. And so like stuff like this, it's, it's so fun. And it's so interesting. And, you know, this is something that likely would never be, be officially released because mm. it's not, you know, It's fun, but it's not. I don't know. It doesn't hit that. It doesn't. It's not in that perfect Venn diagram of like, you know, fun and like profitable. I guess I don't know, but you know, this is the sort of thing that I love to see from the community. Uh, It is a two hundred and forty page plus page adventure that will take players from level ten to level twenty. Like I said, it's volume three of the Forgotten Realms or Doom Forgotten Realms uh, setting. Uh, volume one i believe is is uh levels one through three uh nice. volume two is two through ten and so this completes the 10 through 20 uh beautiful. it says it's not necessary it's not necessary to have played the previous adventures as you know because fall of can run as a standalone for brand new Ooh, characters beautiful um but you know it's awesome it's you know like i said i do like
1: that it goes all the way up to 20 those are hard to find
0: exactly exactly you um you yep. end up going uh into ravenloft you end up um going to the undermountain you end up rescuing the missing Bruner battlehammer uh you go into skullport you go into waterdeep before finally battling vecna uh you know and the in conse- to prevent the consequent destruction of the realms uh but no yeah it's so cool it's um just came out That's check beautiful. it out yeah it's it's i mean it's fantastic so uh we'll have a link to that in the show notes it's uh the pdf is 1499 and I, I buy as many copies as you can because the more copies you buy, the more likely it is to get a physical release. And I need this on my bookshelf. I need this I, is
1: absolutely stunningly done too. It's a solid, what, solid 250? Yep. 250 ish pages approximately. Yep. How close am I? I'm real close. It's like two forty something.
0: And so yeah, it's you know, it's something that is definitely worth purchasing. Oh, absolutely. Well, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the end of the show and finish up our discussion on the second sundering. Yep. Ah! Welcome back. We're gonna we're gonna finish discussing this world changing event just really quickly.
1: There's this little little thing called the uh, second sundering. You might have heard of it. It's not, you know, it's. I mean, son- it didn't come in first. It's well, the silver medals. The
0: it's not in terms of, uh, in terms of like consequence or like or, uh, <laughs> scope. It's just the second one that happened.
1: Oh, chronologically.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, it's like saying like, oh, World War II is the silver medal of World Wars. <laughs> it just happens to be the one that happens second.
1: It just happened to come later in time.
0: So yeah. when when we last left Faerun, stars reportedly uh, were falling from the sky. Mm-hmm, Gods mm-hmm. long thought dead were walking the land. Armies led by, you know, God-infused, God-power-infused mortals known as Chosen. Mm-hmm. were fighting everywhere, and a torrential downpour known as the Great Rain began to flood the Sea of Fallen Stars. So, while the waters rose to the east in early 1486, the tide turned against the orcs in the north, and by the end of the year, their armies were broken and scattered. Also, during that year, the elves of Mythjanor came to the aid of the dell lands and helped pu- push back the Sembian forces. Uh, in Waterdeep and Neverwinter, efforts were made to clear those cities of century old rubble and neglect, uh, as did uh, in Cormyr. once they repelled the last of the Sembian and Netherese forces from the nation, thus reclaiming their territory. So, little by little, these um, like these military conflicts are starting to end.
1: Yeah. Starting to see a resolution of those.
0: Right. And then by the end of the year, the great rain also finally starts to abate, but you know, this event didn't signify an end to the chaos, however, um, because the sea of fallen stars had grown submerging great swaths of land beneath its waves. And then early in 1487, Mm-hmm. Major geological instability results in numerous earthquakes and volcanoes. And these these earthquakes, these volcanic eruptions go on for months, you know, as if the entire oh, world was convulsing.
1: <laughs> the world's having muscle spasms. I feel it. I get it.
0: And in actuality, what was happening is that the worlds of Abir and Taural were being separated once again.
1: Ripped apart because they had overlapped, things had been thrown from one to the other, etc., right. etc., during the spell plague incident.
0: Right, right. And areas once consumed by large chasms were restored to their pre spell plague status. Oh, good. Uh, rumors spread of chasms caused by the spell plague suddenly vanishing. Uh, stories circulated uh, of known destinations being far- farther away from one another. Mm-hmm. uh as if the world had quietly added miles of wilderness to the distance between them
1: let's just make it harder for them to get to each other <laughs> it's like oh yeah it's about
0: uh 20 miles away like no it's like 30 now like dude oh,
1: i just traveled it and i
0: guarantee you it's more like than i'm it. not going i'm not going i'm not going to go <laughs> uh word began began to spread as well of places and people not heard of from since the spell plague so it's starting to become apparent that some of the effects of that terrible time had been reversed or at least were beginning to reverse.
1: Right, things are being knitted back together the way they should be.
0: Uh during the year ships claiming to be from Evermeet, uh Lantan and Nimbral, nations thought vanished or destroyed, sailed into ports on the Sword Coast and in the Shining South. Um as, I, the way like you know as i'm as i was researching this the way that i thought of it was sort of like um the blink in the marvel in the mcu in the marvel movies
1: uh-huh you know
0: thanos like snaps his fingers half yeah. the uni- galaxy universe population or whatever disappears and then they come back and so this is sort of like that sort of, that what's happening It's like all the stuff that you know all Harry everything mandela
1: that mandela effect yeah, like
0: everything that had happened, everything that as it was before, it was, it was, it was once Being again. Being restored to right. it. Yeah. Uh, no longer engaged in Cormir, Netheril attacks Mithranor by floating the City of Shade over it. Uh, in a struggle for control of Mithranor's mythil and the Weave itself, the right. flying capital of Netheril was brought crashing down on Mithranor, resulting in the cataclysmic destruction of both. Yes. So I you know I I brought up mythals earlier and mm-hmm. you know they're they're really cool. So mythals they are these like really powerful magical effects. Yes. Uh and they're created by a group of spellcasters to protect and ward a large area with numerous powerful enchantments. Yes. So mythals are so powerful that they could permanently alter the weave. Mm-hmm. to create an area wherein the normal rules of magic no longer apply.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, an example of a typical mythal uh, will prevent certain schools of magic from being employed while empowering others. And so as 1487 DR draws to a close, there are nights where the heavens seem to hang motionless. Throughout much of Faerun, the winter of 1487 and 1488, last longer than any on record as the solstices and equinoxes have somehow drifted and later seasons follow suit with each starting and ending later than expected
1: the world got bigger and time had to stretch to match its rotations
0: i mean it's that's what it sounds like that's what it sounds like yeah and in addition to that, prayers to the gods for knowledge and about what's going on and mercy to you know deal with what's going on seem to go unacknowledged apart from the presence of their chosen. So it seems like the gods are silent at this point. Oh. By 14... They're probably busy. <laughs> they probably got something going on. Uh, by 1489, uh, many of the wars that began during the Sundering you know, had ground to a close, you know, other conflicts arose uh, and mighty threats still imperiled the world, but the deities, you know, essentially ceased, you know, stopped interfering with the world through their chosen, you know, the gods were no longer silent, but they were quiet. And in many places, new priesthoods arose to interpret the gods now more subtle signs. Mm -hmm. The world today at this point, like, you know, seems like a, a place filled with new lands and opportunities where, you know, those who dare can leave their mark. So this was essentially like a soft reboot, like like a reset yeah. as it was.
1: Hey, uninstall and reinstall deities.exe? I
0: guess, yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh Students of history and, you know, those, you know, uh, mortal, you know, or, you know, those, you know, folks who like, you know, live uh like a human's lifespan what? uh and then those like elves and dwarves who yes. can recall the past that short-lived humans see as distant perceive a world much like it was over a century prior Ooh. you know and for most folk wild tales of, pa- of people empowered by the gods and of far-off lands returned to the world become the subject of fireside chatter
1: right those are all old folklore at that point Then
0: right Nice. Uh, in Martinoth, uh, Larlock, the Netherese lich known as the Shadow King, starts a plot to become the new deity of magic oh, by.
1: <laughs> Mr. Oh, can't ways. Catch a Break. Look, I'm just saying, Mr. Can't Catch a Break. Yeah,
0: you know, by draining the wards of Candlekeep and the mythal of Mithranor. So essentially, you know, the wards that, uh, that protect Candlekeep yes the you know library fortress of knowledge as well as the mythals of mithranor the you know the wards essentially the powerful wards that protect that city larlock is trying to like drain the magic of those and mm-hmm. become and use them to become the new deity of magic himself right meanwhile Telemont than uh, uh tanthul who has become the chosen of shar continues his work for the Lady of Loss, seeking to destroy the chosen of other deities and also planning to drain the mythal of the city of Song of of nor So we got these two little rascals to try to do their thing. Uh, the goal <sighs> was to use its power to transform the weave into a new shadow weave.
1: Because it worked so well the last time. It went well, so well for her.
0: I mean, you know, they're going to, a villain's going to villain. I don't know villain's if villain's going to
1: villain, and she wants to destroy everything, and she's not going to let go of it. It's true. Nobody holds a grudge like the goddess of grudge holding. <laughs> that should be on her
0: portfolio, for sure. It should be. Meanwhile, Elminster is working feverishly to attempt to fully restore Mistra and the Weave. Yes. So the power of the wards had also attracted other factions to Candlekeep uh namely uh the red wizards of fae uh the net- other other netheries the moonstars mm-hmm. uh, you know they had sent their agents masquerading masquerading as monks to keep an eye on them
1: monks masquerading
0: monks oh, jesus
1: <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> <laughs> when
0: Elmister reaches Cattle keep these you know monks attack the other like the actual monks <laughs> Uh, to gain control of the library, but a large number of them had already been replaced by agents of the other factions, which essentially leads to a battle for the wards. Oh. So like, imagine like the Spider-Man gif where like, they're pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. And so Elminster manages to trick the Netherese by masquerading as High Prince uh, Tanthul, who is the ruler of Thultantar, the floating Netherese city of shade. Okay, Uh, but instead was tricked himself by Larlock, who pretended to wish the uh, who was pretending that he wanted to use the energies of the wards to strengthen the weave.
1: Of course,
0: instead, the energies of both of the the, uh, of the destroyed wards were absorbed by the Shadow King, who then left left for Mithra Nor, and it was he was followed by Elminster and his allies. So, of
1: course,
0: uh, so Larlock, you know complete step one of his plan, like, you know, uh, absorb the, uh, or drain the wards of Candlekeep. Now he's headed to the city of Song, of, to Mithranor, to mm-hmm. enact step two of his plan. You know, once in the city of Song, Larlock, uh, the Netherese, and the Chosen of Mystra, which is, you know, Elmister and 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 company, allied, uh, uh, allied with some elves, mm-hmm, clash mm-hmm. in this catastrophic battle. The a century, a sort of like Elven lich, but like good,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Uh, known as uh, Belnorn. Uh, appear, they, uh, the century herself, appears to fight for Mithranor, okay. ordering other Bel-Norns to protect the city, and then sacrificed herself to you know get the magical power, you know, to wrest it away from both Tanthor and Larlock. Perfect. and then use the wards of candlekeep and the Mythal to strengthen the weave. So you have this um like like I said they're like elven liches like they're undead elves, like elves but not
1: almost saints kind of in a way yeah kind yeah. of a saintly type yeah
0: and so as elminster defeats uh Tanthul in a mage duel the Nethery's enclave of Thultanthar crashes atop Mithranor, but the famous wizard was saved by Mistra, who has now yeah. gained full control over the weave once more, stopping Shar from turning, in, in, turning it into a new shadow weave. Perfect. So while Thultanthar was destroyed, the barrier erected by the Bel Norns around the Tree of Souls. Which is a tree that was first planted on Evermeet at its creation and then later transplanted to the to the city of Song. Mm-hmm. Um, so this barrier and uh, created and erected by the Bell Norns managed to save the tree, as well as as small parts of the city from destruction, when the floating giant city of just uh, kind of crashed on top of it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: only the Bell Norns remained in the ruins of Myth drenor afterwards. And so as 1487 DR comes to a close, the second sundering ends with the full return of Mystra and the weave, the separation of the worlds of Abir and Toril, as well as all the wars that started in its wake coming to an end.
1: Everything just kind of settles back down.
0: Right. And so by by the end of it, the world begins to look very much like how it did, you know, a century prior. Mm-hmm. although preserving a few of the changes from the tumultuous era of upheaval.
1: Upheaval such a great word. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I appreciate that word.
0: <laughs> so we have some geographic changes. So what does that mean? Um, at the end of the second sundering, most of the consequences that the spell plague had wrought upon Toral were now nowhere to be seen. Oh. Uh, the majority of the earth motes had fallen. The sea of the fallen oh. stars... Had returned to its pre-spell plague volume, and the under chasm has been filled in.
1: Just it's raining earth moats. Sounds terrifying.
0: <laughs> uh, nations and most of the lands that were sent to a beer during the spell plague had returned to Toril. Uh, mm-hmm. That includes um, Halrua, Lantan, mm-hmm. Nimbril, for example. You know, um, Unther also returned, but it did so in a more diminished form than uh, before. Um however some Iberian lands and new civilizations that arose in the century that followed the spell plague still remained after uh after the sundering had come to an end. Right. Uh, you know, while others, nations such as Timanther and Aca Ak- mm-hmm. remains in the realms more or less in the way that they were before the Sundering. Uh while the fall of Shade and the absence of the Netherese sustaining magic Onorok's climate rapidly becomes arid once more, and the lands at the heart of Faerun rapidly deteriorated and become a desert once more. Uh, the waters receded from Lurin, making the Halfling homeland accessible again, although much of their ter- territory is still underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, Evermeet was restored to Toril, and by the end of the Second Sundering, it somehow it like it kind of was. Uh, it, it's
1: the center of that Venn diagram.
0: It like transcends planes. It touches mm-hmm. Toral, the Feywild, and Arvandor, all the, which is sort of like uh, I don't know, like more or less like elven heaven, <laughs> all mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, changes weren't limited to just geography. However, uh, you know there are many changes to the pantheon. You know many deities, previously presumed dead or missing, managed to return mm-hmm. to life or to reemerge during the second sundering and then quickly amass new followers or, you know, win back their old faithful and Mm -hmm. to reclaim at least uh, some of their former portfolios, which again, results in a new distribution of spheres of influence among the Freyrunian deities. Uh, The most well-known example was obviously Mishra, uh, Mask, Mm -hmm. Baal, as well as all previously lost drow deities, as and also all of the uh Mulharandi pantheon, and even uh Tyr himself, who we talked about in the Bahamut episode. Yes. Uh for other deities like Shar, the second Sundering resulted in a loss of power and influence. Uh, you know, the defeat at Myth like really the Lady of Loss lost on that one, took an L. Yeah,
1: she took the L. In
0: 1488 DR. Uh, prayers to deities still went unanswered, but their chosen were still present. Um, But by the next year, those prayers began to uh, become answered again uh, as various deities withdrew their power and divine gifts from those chosen since their purpose has pretty much been fulfilled.
1: All right, you've used it. Give it back. You're done. Give me back my power.
0: And also, uh, it also brought significant changes to how deities approached mortals. You know, many gods you know became quieter than before causing mm-hmm. the emergence of new priesthoods to try to explain the different divine behavior in a post sundering world mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean exactly that uh that they no longer interacted directly with mortals you know mistra for example uh kept her chosen uh some of her chosen uh while other gods personally and now i love this personally ar- announced their return to the realms manifesting through their avatars to their followers so it's like like, I need to Pisco. make sure they know I'm back.
1: Cisco kicks in the door. Boom, baby.
0: Uh, for example, Iliastri, the chaotic, good drow goddess of beauty, song, dance, freedom, moonlight, sword work, and hunting, which is probably like the best portfolio ever.
1: I love her.
0: Uh, was seen <laughs> dancing and speaking to mortals in many places, especially along the Sword Coast. Uh, the recently returned Malhurandi gods still ruled among their people, directly interacting with them, just like the god kings of old. Uh, Bane, Baal, and Merkul, collectively known as the Dead Three, were That's greatly right. reduced in power, and as, as a result decided to remain on Toro, living as quasi-divine mortals to spread the word of their return, to gather more worshippers, and to influence events in their favor. And Bane led the trio in these efforts.
1: So they stayed around to keep causing a ruckus. Yeah,
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) As a result of these changes, sages were unsure if they were, um, if there were also uh, changes to the cosmological order of the planes. Uh, Some scholars came to the conclusion that the different cosmologies were just theoretical constructs created by mortals, uh, you know, sort of to make sense of things and were not actually the true shape of the cosmos. Mm Mm-hmm. And so by the later years of the 15th century DR, the most popular cosmological models among sages were the ones that were most familiar with, like the Great Wheel, the World mm-hmm. Access, the World Tree mm-hmm. models. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they were modified to include planes discovered after the spell plague, such as the Elemental Chaos, the Feywild, mm-hmm. and of course the Shadowfell. And this, like I said, this you know a lot of this is found in the the Sundering book series um which mm-hmm. uh it's by six different authors um including like Troy Denning, R.A. Salvatore, uh, Ed Greenwood and so they each tell the you know what's going on in the Sundering from the perspective of the characters in those books but you Beautiful. get um you get a lot of you know what happens in those books as well so this was uh, and these are, you know, for fifth edition, you know, you've still got, you know, Salvatore writing, you know, writing his Dritz mm-hmm. books. Um, but for the most part, by and large, you know, they're not releasing novels anymore. Yeah. And so this was sort of like, you know, a, um, I don't know, like a last call sort of, yeah. you know, for, uh for storytelling, because, you know, the idea was they wanted the players to decide what happens in the Forgotten Realms more so than, you know, the authors of the books. Right. But that is the second Sundering. That is, like I said, created to transition the game from fourth to fifth edition and sort of Mm -hmm. course correct some of what they consider to be mistakes that were that were made in changing it to you know transitioning from third to fourth and it feels like a soft reboot a soft reset and i thought it was pretty uh uh pretty ingenious how they were able to you know figure it out as lore wise Mm -hmm. as well
1: absolutely rather than oh it's different because you know god stuff they actually gave you the uh actually got the foundation for it and all of the information
0: oh yeah absolutely i like it i love it a lot Mm -hmm. thank you so much for listening thank you for allowing the DD lore cast to be a part of your life for uh just this short time and we hope that you come back
1: absolutely do
0: my name is sergio
1: and i'm mary
0: fare thee well dear listener and until we meet again may all your 20s be natural Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time.
1: You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people.